The following program was produced by Community Producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the Community Producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Good evening, and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your guest host this evening, Ed Lucy, and my guest this evening is Michelle Luong. Yes, hello. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Who's affiliated with Remax here on 339 Pleasant Street? Remax Trinity. And you're a real estate? I'm a realtor. Realtor. And before we get into some of the discussions this evening about property and Malden and some of the things that people might find of interest if you're either thinking of selling a home or buying a home, I have uh, uh, several very short public announcements. The first one is um, you're all invited to a family-friendly walk on September 14th. Join us on the walk for Joey to remember Joey Shea and support Dana-Farber's lung research in, in Joey's name. Registration begins at 9 a.m. at Pine Banks Park, which is, of course, on Main Street. And in Malden, with the walk scheduled to kick off at 10 a.m. And at the conclusion, this is really the more important part, is that the family-friendly five-mile walk, there'll be uh, pizza refreshments and raffles for all ages. And um, just to give you a quick background, and to to, to acknowledge those uh, those businesses here that are... uh, being so generous, some of which are not even in Malden, but they're, they're going to participate in the benefit by donating. They include Don Sops, Don, Dom's Sausages, Apple, Anchor Auto Body, and at Wuben, New England Coffee, Simonized Car Wash, the Boston Red Sox, the Boston Bruins, Anthony's of Malden, Townline Mix 360, Jack's Restaurante, Marlon's House of Pizza in Stoneham. Excuse me, Lisa's House of Pizza, uh, uh, Lisa's House of Hair in Stoneham. Pizza Pizza in Malden. AutoZone in Malden. Cappy's Wine and Spirits in Malden. John Brewer's Tavern in Malden. And, and Kiss 108 Medford in Pine Banks Park, which obviously is donating the facility. Um, the interesting thing, and not to, to take away from anybody else, I've seen so often... Um, when they have fundraisers here in this community, that piece of pizza's name comes up. They see they're extremely generous and uh, have been an important part of the community for quite a long time. The second announcement I'd like to make is the uh, the Malden High School Alumni Association is inviting the Malden community to join in this, in this year for its annual holiday pasta, pa, uh, pasta, on no, pasta party on November 30th. This is their major fundraising effort for the alumni group, which sponsors students in Marlin High School, particularly those in f- difficult financial situation. The holiday-themed child-friendly gathering will be held at Anthony's Function Hall in Marlin and will be open to the Marlin community. The affair has grown in popularity over recent years with delicate, delicious food, musical entertainment, lots of laughs, and the excitement of drawing to an array of donation New this year will be an extra special drawing with prizes of $2,500 cash, two Red Sox tickets for 2020. Oh, good. It's for the next year, not this year. And a $400 gift certificate. Tickets availability will be announced on MaldenHighAlumniAssociation.com and, and Facebook and Twitter. And again, that's uh, on November 30th. And the final one... Um, MATV has been a big part of Marlin for many years, and we have an annual meeting, and this year it's being held on September 26th from 6 to 9 o'clock. And, and obviously, the uh, size of we have our group and the location is, as, as usual, at Anthony's here in Malden. 
It's open to the public. It includes a buffet, a full buffet. It's his musical entertainment, a multimedia presentation. There'll be awards for volunteers currently involved with MAT, and also the unveiling of the of some important new developments at MATV. The, and the uh, board election will be held from 8 to 9 p.m. Now, this is at September 26th in St. Anthony's. Uh, the, the, the donation is minimum is $25. You can purchase tickets by September 20th by, or by visiting matv.org slash annual. Now, um, there are a lot of occasions where uh, we're trying to promote ourselves more and more to Malden because in spite of the fact we've been a part of the city for many years and involved not only in televising here in uh, the studio but off-site as well on special occasions, there are people that have little knowledge about what we do and how long we've been around and what, what the function and purpose of the organization is. So September 26th would give you an opportunity to learn a little bit about MATV. You'd also at the same time uh, have an opportunity to get a, a, a nice buffet, and it's at Anthony. So, again, keep those events in mind. November 30th for MA, for the uh, Malden High Scholarship, September 26th for MATV's annual meeting at Anthony's, and the Walk for Joey, which is September 14th. And, Michelle. Yes. Um, just a quick background, your, your, your uh, personal background. You, you live here in Malden? I do. I live in Ward 7, and I've lived here since I was a very little girl, probably about four years old. My family still lives there. Um, married, husband, two kids, and um, I still live on the same street with my entire family. And I live across the street, by <laughs> the way, <laughs> just for, for a bit of disclosure. Um, now, how long have you been in the real estate business? Um, nine years. Nine years. And, 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 and it's interesting. Uh, I was thinking when uh, we agreed to ha- uh, for you to come aboard, and I had a I had a, a real estate broker's license years ago. Yes. Um, quite a while back. But anyway, it was a different era. And um, I, as I was thinking about it uh, for the show tonight, uh, at that in those days, most of the property would be sold by local real estate offices, mm-hmm. uh, and um, the people would oftentimes be, give the listing to not only were they local but. In many instances, they were a friend of somebody, a referral, or they might be also a neighbor, or someone connected in some fashion. And um, again, of course, the prices at that time uh, were much, much lower than they are now. Yes. A lot of instances, um, as I think back, um, there was no co-brokers that people would. And, and just to give you an idea, and I, I didn't have a license at that time, but the first house I bought, um, which is in the Forest Hill section of the city, which is it was a Nice little home. It was little, but it was on paper. It had four bedrooms, uh, but there were little bedrooms. Some of them uh, it was under twenty thousand dollars. I don't want to try to date myself, but uh, the second house was still in that area. It was as the lower. It was off the lower end of Bainbridge Street, and that was about one hundred seventy thousand. So the, the prices had gone up. But uh, in any event. I think in more recent times, uh, where years ago you'd have a, a, a an open house announcement in the Boston Globe, mm-hmm. uh, you'd you'd personally go and visit homes and maybe have a list of them to go look at, with or without a broker, and then uh, you might do it the second week and the third week. I don't think they, they really do that anymore. Tell me basically, how does it work? How does it work? Yeah. Okay. So today, today, the modern way. <laughs> The modern way, we also, um, most realtors and salespeople and brokers are attached to the multiple listing service, which is an online um, listing. That's where everybody puts their listings in, all listing agents. And buyer's agents go in there to find um, properties for their clients. Um, There's search capabilities. So now clients like yourself would be able to automatically receive emails every morning based on your search criteria. So if you're looking in Malden for a single or a condo, um, two bedrooms with a garage without all the different criteria that you're looking for. And you would receive those every morning. And the best part about that as well is that there's a mechanism attached to this multiple listing service that allows you to automatically email your broker, your, your agent, um, or just pick up the phone and call your agent and say, hey, I would like to see this property. Um, the difference, I think, way back before versus now is that we have buy- listing agents and buyer's agents. So most buyers that I see in the market do come with buyer's agents that they um, employ. 
Um, they don't pay a buyer's agent. A buyer's agent's paid by the listing agent, by the sale of the house off the listing agent. Um, so with that said, you know, having a buyer's agent for a buyer is very important because that person works for you. They can give you some ideas on um, what is a competitive housing price in the area. They can't tell you what to um, offer, but they can give you an idea of what's sold that's similar to those properties. One other thing, maybe not to digress too far into the past, but um, years ago, the w it was not unusual to have a lot of people have what they call a pocket real estate license. Yes. And they and and and, and years ago, uh, first of all, there was a modest fee attached to being a, a licensed agent, but and then basically, once they did a couple of years involvement in time, not necessarily in sales activity, right. a calendar, you would then become a, a broker. Uh, by definition, and then, um, but again, a lot of people um, would be part-time or non-active brokers, and they'd, they'd have a license, and they would get them f either free or at a discounted uh, fee because they were a, b a veteran or whatever. There were different mm -hmm. groupings that were eligible for. So that was a motivation, and people would get these licenses, and, uh, and oftentimes in their entire career, remember, they never sell a house, and they, they would have it, but then, if a family member was going to sell a house, well, all of a sudden they they would be a broker on that Sunday to, to show the house and maybe have a, a a little little sign out front, the handmade maybe, and go from there. But then along the way, um, the state started to require compliances. You had to take courses. You do. And you then do. they also raised the fee. And between the the requirements. Um, Someone I know at one time, uh, since retired, he worked in that department for the state, and he said literally about a third of all licenses became inactive at that time because all of these mm -hmm. people that had this license with really not much of a involvement in real estate in any form other than mm -hmm. by f accident or by mm -hmm. just the occasion when a friend or a family member or a neighbor might need a broker or someone to sell their house, um, they really weren't involved in the business. But once the compliance requirements came in, Right. And there was a fee attached, and it was expense attached to taking the course, right. and it had to be done on a recurring basis. Then all of a sudden they found out it wasn't worth their while to hold the license and hold themselves out of broker when they weren't really doing any business. But uh, No, it's very true. And, and be, there's a difference between being a salesperson and a realtor. A realtor actually holds a membership to the mine is attached to the Greater Boston Real Estate Bureau that holds me to higher ethical standards, so I need to take certain ethics classes as other um, agents do, but we adhere to certain criteria that we have to, yeah. being a realtor. Um, in terms of uh, property in, mm -hmm. in, in, um, in Malden, um, I, I, got an, I got an article recently that I saw in the, in the Boston paper, and it indicated that um, the, uh, this is goes uh, from uh, July of 2018 to July mm -hmm. of 2019, that mm -hmm. the the um, single-family home. Now they use as a as a guide median price. Correct. And the difference between an average price of a sale, if you collectively took all the houses, divided the the prices sold by the number of houses, that's the average price. But median price is that there is many people above the that number as there are below it. So it's it's, it's more telling in terms of what prices really are. And then. Um, Massachusetts, um, I think that in July of this year, well, based on sales reported by bankers and tradesmen, and the, uh, uh, the, the single-family homes was $439,000. Mm -hmm. And condos were just a shade under $400,000. Mm -hmm. Now, again, you, you're talking about statewide, and, and that's, a, that's the price with as many houses sold above that as was sold below that. Right. But... One of the things that's a trend, and I mean, maybe it's a little bit of an alert for people. For the last seven months, the number of sales in um, of condos has gone, the prices have gone down. Not in Walden. Not in Walden. Okay, Not but in Walden. Oh, again, we're but talking yes, Massachusetts. And absolutely. And that's a very valid point. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, I also had gotten information from a, um, another source, uh, not for this meeting, but I just happened to have a, a, a that in Malden, in, uh, 2017, the price of a house was a little over 400000 for a single house. Mm -hmm. And um, the um, in 2018, which is just, this, you know, one year later, 
the, uh, I'm sorry, it was 460,000, and now it's almost 500,000. That's amazing. Um, yeah. That's way above the state. And, of course, now with the state, you have Western and Whalen for single homes, and you have Boston for huge prices, and but then you have other communities, particularly the further away you go from metropolitan areas, the prices tend to come down. Even even in good houses and good locations, the prices wouldn't be the same in, in Barry, maybe, or some of these communities, or EMS, as they right. would be in, in this area because it's so close to so many things. No, absolutely, and in it's it's good to kind of note. You know, everybody's been asking. You know, how's the housing market in Malden? And I can give you the median prices from 18 to 19. So in 2018, medium single-family house was 502,000, 519, which is um, to date of, as of today, it was 494,000. So we're down about probably about a percent, the medium house price for single. But condos, the average medium was 345,000. In 2019, it was 359.9, so we're up 4%, a little over 4%. Which is opposite the trend from uh, the statewide numbers. Correct. Particularly the... Uh, and multifamily had the biggest increase year on year. So um, 2018, 650000 for the median price. For a multi, 696 um, here in 2019. So that was up a little over 7%. Yeah, I have... Um, uh, we've thrown a lot of numbers out there, so mm -hmm. we're just trying to generalize, but... Again, uh, in the year 2017, which is the entire year, right. the multifamily home, the average price was 610000 And uh, in the following year, it had gone up $63,000. So right. it was just over 600000 in 2018. It was pushing close to 700000 And I don't think... That's it, what we're pushing now in 19. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And... and uh, it speaks well for Malden. Number one, obviously, where we're located makes a difference. We get public mm -hmm. transportation. We do. Um, you, you know, sometimes you hear criticism of the school system, but the fact of the matter is one of the things that people look at, particularly, you know, when those either plan to have children, currently have children, uh, uh, and, 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 and will be having children in schools, they check out the school system, and that's a, right. a, a factor, obviously, in where they're going to move to. And, all, and right. then has some demand in terms of uh, what the price is going to be in that area. Well, as I talk to buyers and I talk to young families, one of the things they always ask me is, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, the makeup of the community. And, you know, there is between 59 and I think it's now 62 separate languages spoken in our school system. And that's really a highlight for um, some buyers from young families. And they really want the diversity. They like the fact that we're generationally diverse community. So it's, this isn't not a, we're not newly diverse. So we, you know, and with that said, they, that's what they're really looking for. And they're looking for opportunities where multiple schools, they want, they would like school choice. We're no longer school choice. We're neighborhood schools, but they like the services that are offered in our school system. Yeah. The, um, the other, one of the other things is in terms of a career in real estate, um, mm -hmm. It, it, it used to be an ideal arrangement for, for older people that may be looking at part-time to, to work yep. after they retired. It also would be a, the type of uh, um, jobs or profession, if you want to call it that, uh, for people who are not able to go 9 to 5 to a job, or so, job. A lot of the successful sales personnel in prior years used to be, and in prior times, were women more than men, maybe because they had a better sense of what what people would want in their home. And in a lot of instances, right. when people look at homes, it'd be the, uh, for a couple, the, the, the wife would have the uh, deciding factor and where to go and what house to pick. How did you get in, decide to get in the real estate ah. business? <laughs> well, I was in marketing and public relations for a number of years. And my oldest was in kindergarten. I had a baby at home. I had a little three-year-old. So um, at the time, and you had the I, baby at home or the baby was home? The baby was home. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the baby was at home with my uh, mother-in-law. And so it was... You know, it was time for a career change. I wanted to be home more with my children. And I got into and I've always wanted to get into real estate. And so I decided to kind of make the plunge. Of course, I made the plunge in 2010 in the down market. So that was a little difficult. But um, with perseverance and getting to know people. And you mentioned earlier, um, back a while back, it was all by referral. A lot of this business is still by referral. A lot of people, you find your leads online. But it is a lot about personal relationships and getting to know people and friends and family and doing a really good job for your buyers, and then they refer you to their friends and family. 
And it's the same as always any sales yeah. position. But that's how I kind of got into it. And Joe Duggan and Ronnie Pouzon were my first bosses. They're continually my bosses. They're the broker owners at Remax Trinity. They're amazing. They stand um, very tall for training, integrity. They um, have high expectations of their agent. They have a great reputation in the business. So I enjoy working for them, yeah. and I have been since then. Yeah, sometimes you know you you, you miss out of the names or the brands of the of the, of the, uh, the agencies, the real estate offices, and uh, just as a quick refresher, uh, I mentioned early on that they're on Pleasant Street at three thirty nine Pleasant Street, which is kind of directly across from the fire station. Correct. Uh, and but when Michelle first went to connect it with them, I mean, they were on Eleventh Street. Or were they this? No, time? they were on um, Center Street. Oh, Center Street. Right in front of the Chevrolet School. Oh, okay. And then they moved to, to Lebanon, Lebanon Street. Street. Yes. Yeah. And then now we're at 339 Pleasant Street. Right, yeah. In the old Victorian, big old Victorian. Yeah, for those people in Malden have been here uh, a long time, that used to be a funeral home. Yes, Sprague <laughs> Funeral Home. <laughs> and then I think there was an architectural firm in there after that, and they did some changes, which really were uh, very professionally done to the building itself. So it's an impressive-looking building. Yeah. They did. They did. Um, the owners have really adhered to the architectural history and the legacy surrounding the property. And, you know, it's wonderful to be in there. As a real estate agency, it's just wonderful to be in such a great location. Yeah. I mentioned uh, before the show started to James, who's our cameraman for the evening, that um, should for some reason that someone come along or buy the property and maybe uh, – uh, do three condos on the property, the, the historical society might be a little bit put <laughs> out because it is might an be. impressive-looking building. It is. One of the things I notice in my own drive around Malden is that um, I see a lot of uh, signs and property for sale with agencies that I have known oh, with phone numbers but no addresses. So obviously you can you can tell from the phone numbers that they're not local. No. And that that is a trend more recent than the, even the more recent past. It just uh, it almost seems that the the well established agencies in Malden um, still obviously do do business, but that um, there are uh, for some reason nine seven eight numbers and six one seven numbers mm -hmm. and and uh, offices have no knowledge of where they're even located because they don't show a, a, an right. address. Well, and I think that goes back to referral. So I I, I think that. You know, we had in the past generations of families continuing to live here, and I think that we've seen such an influx of new people coming into the into Malden, and I think they come with their buyer's agents, so if they're going to then sell most of the time that they would hopefully go back to who they purchased their house through, which would then kind of goes with the funnel of the referral. But we do have a lot of outside agencies. We still have strong agencies right here in Malden that still, you know, people still look to us and require, you know, really look to our um, expertise in the area. Yeah, I, I, in fact, uh, I, I guess that now that you say that, uh, th that would be a, a very reasonable, valid a, a point because a lot of the people that would be selling uh, might very well have come here from somewhere else and the houses are being right. resold and they don't connect them all in people because they, they really have an identity with somewhere else before they move to Malden. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I... Uh, uh, in, in days gone by, uh, maybe using Edgewood as an example, uh, sometimes when people were getting uh, children, were having children get married, whatever, they would have somebody in the neighborhood that might be selling the house, and they would go to visit their neighbor and yep. remind them, if you're going to be selling your house, my daughter or my son's getting married. And in those days, it was not u unusual for the people that had children married. They stayed more, but that's not true any longer, I don't think. Not, not. I can't say it's not true. I just don't. I just think we have, yeah, a little bit of both. I made a. Uh, you you have some interesting numbers there because mm -hmm. um, based on an article that I just read earlier about the the, the slight adjustment in the in the upward market in terms of condos and uh, also of course uh, even on the housing, the the, the article that I read suggested that the inventory is even down today overall statewide. But mm -hmm. uh, it, it seems to me that in Malden, I see a lot more for sale signs than I saw a year or two ago, which suggests mm -hmm. to me that the inventory in Malden is uh, is more plentiful than it had been in recent past. And again, 
I'm not tuned mm-hmm. into the business, so you'd be more aware of it right. than I. I don't think we've seen, I mean, I think we've seen, for instance, you know, I think we've seen a lot more come into the market or a lot more close on the market um, this year versus last year. But one one thing to really keep in mind, we've also seen we've seen an increase, and I've discussed the numbers. But I think we've also seen them staying on to the market a lot a little bit longer than we had in the past. And I think that's maybe what you might be seeing because before you'd see it, it a house you know would be up and it'd be gone within days, you know, and so you would see that kind of influx. So instead, like for instance, single family homes they're up twenty percent the days on market. Price, price wise? No, not price wise. The days that the house oh, the stays longer on, day. the longer the time stays on the market. You know, and um, and uh, what, what would be the length of time? Um, right now, it's um, I believe we're staying on to the the medium days on market. It was seventeen days for a single family house in two thousand eighteen till it goes to offer, and I would say twenty two days it stays on the market before an offer is accepted. So I think we're seeing it on the market longer than we normally would. That's what I think we're seeing. Well, that's interesting because, um, but uh, um, yeah. even let's say in your office, of the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a that's a good size office for Malden in terms Correct. of activity. Um, it wasn't that long ago where people, even on listed prices, the owner would have three or four offers over the listed price. Are you still finding mm-hmm. that's true? In some cases, and I think that depends on the price. If the if the property is overpriced. All you're selling is someone else's property. So if a listing agent over, if a client requires, oh, we want to put it on for fifty, sixty thousand dollars over, and the guy across the street lists his property for fifty, sixty thousand dollars under, and it's a like-for-like property, the chances are yours is going to stay on the market a lot longer than his. Yeah, but would, but those prices when you when you were, what are the mechanics of it? Someone contacts you whether you've done business with mm-hmm. them before, whether Correct. they walk in the door, whether mm-hmm. they refer to you. Sure. They want to sell their house. Well, depending on um, the first question I asked them, um, it was that I meet with them in face-to-face, is what are your plans? Where are you going? Especially with an older person. Because I need to, I can always, we can always price a home to sell. But my concern would be, where are you going? Like, what is your plan? So they usually explain they're either buying a condo, going to live with family, whichever their plan is. And then I take a look at their home. It's a two-step process for me. I look at their home. I um, take a myriad of notes, um, the condition, how many bedrooms, square footage. I look at their public record to see if their public record matches what I'm seeing. Um, I'll ask different questions. What um, In the past how many years, you know, past five or ten years, what have you done for updates? How old's the roof, the heating system, all of those things. And then I leave them, and I go back to my office, and I look at properties that are like for like. So it'd have to be colonial to a colonial within a certain amount of area or around preferably the same street or streets of in an area. And that's what I based it on. What did that house sell at? What's the condition? Is the condition similar, better, less, you know, less of an updated house? And that's how we come up with them. There's some plus and minuses with the numbers. And that's how you come up with the um, listing price. What I comfortably feel that a listing price would sell at. And if they said, gee, my friend down the street sold himself, that's 25000 less than he got for his house. Why is it not mine as good as his house? Well, I'd have to look at his house. Oh, okay. Because there could be updates that you could walk, they could maybe not have an updated kitchen, and his guy had a full-blown, you know, renovated kitchen with granite countertops and, you know, the whole nine yards. So it's sometimes it's not like for like, and you just have to educate your sellers on, you know, what their expectations should be. Well, how about a situation where someone you'd previously dealt with Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, re- is referred to you, and they, they, you've been recommended to them as a broker to, to, to represent them in the sale of the house. Yep. What's, what's the process to do that? Same. It's the same process, really, because, you know, and it's also, but it's also educating the seller because I need to show them. I need to say, okay, this is this house. Here are the pictures of the house down the street that's sold. That's like yours. Now look at your house, and do you see the similarities or do you see the differences? And then, you know, a lot of times they'll say to me, what should I do, what should I do? And, you know, it, it's, it's where do they think they're going to get the most uptake for their money. You know, if the roof is caving in, maybe they need to put a new roof on. Maybe they need to do some updates to make their house more desirable if that's within the financial realm. But it's all a personal choice, and it's, it's really guiding the seller to making decisions and not making them for them. 
I think is significant to know. Well, do you, do you find, when you get the listing, do you find that they uh, tend to agree with, with your recommendations or they say, gee, I think we should press it higher? They do. It, it, it can go either way. It can go either way. I think um, when I present, when I do a presentation, we have a whole presentation book. It's beautiful. And we do a whole presentation. It's, it's all about what's on the market. And we go by the last three months, which is significant because if a buyer is going to come in and purchase a property, the bank is going to look at a, is going to appraise the property based on sales, like to like sales over the past three months. They're not going to, you know, sometimes we may have to go a little out to six months if we can't find a like to like property, but we need to explain that to the sellers, you know, as they're looking and as we've given them the price we feel that it can sell at. But we have to be conscious of that because when you have buyers, you know, you have a buyer come in and they go and I say, look, you know, this should only appraise out at 500000 and you have somebody, one buyer coming in at five fifty, and another says, I'm going to pay six hundred for it. And they still need bank appraisals. You have to kind of take that in. The seller should take that into consideration in choosing which offer. Do you, do you have, um, again, since it's kind of a, a seller's market in recent times, hmm. um, do you have any situations that occur uh, where... Uh, you think everything is agreed upon. The selling the seller agrees to sell. The buyer agrees to pay a certain price. Yep. They meet the qualifications, credit-wise, mm -hmm. and the bank doesn't accept the the uh, price because they say it's over the market. Correct. Yep. It does do. happen. That does happen. And what's does happen. Plan B in that point. Plan B is both parties have to get together and negotiate, and and come to a come to a happy medium, mm -hmm. and sometimes they can't. And if that's the case, then the deal. Um, gets dissolved and we move on to another buyer. We put it back onto the market. For a lower we'll, price? Um, sometimes it depends. It depends, yeah, yeah. you know, on the situation. Sometimes there's backup offers. So there's some people that'll that'll some buyers are thick and thin and they'll still they'll call right up until a couple weeks before the closing and say, you know, hey, is it still available? And sometimes you have to go back out to the market. Well, um, it, but it's, it, I, I think it's possible that even if the bank didn't appraise it for the amount that the house is being sold for, or the, maybe the mortgage, uh, uh, that if the buyers were willing to make up the difference on their own pocket, in other we words, have seen that a lot. That would qualify for the mortgage, even though on paper the bank is saying that house isn't worth what you're paying for it. Correct. So what we've seen, what I've seen personally, and you know, is that there are there are times where we have buyer that buyers are competing for multiple offers, and there are buyers that have in fact which I don't recommend, um, waiving what's called your bank appraisal. So you don't waive it. The bank still does the appraisal, but you agree to come to the t table with more additional cash to cover it. Yeah. And that, you know, that is some things that some buyers and buyer's agents discuss and put in offers. And I personally, you know, you know, I would do what my buyer wants, but um, it's not something I would recommend. I feel that the bank appraises the property and appraises it accordingly. Yeah. Have you had a – now, you've been in NICE for almost 10 years uh, – have you had situations where everybody seems happy? The seller is happy with the buyer. The buyer is happy with the house. They, they seem to be uh, uh, qualified, as it were. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, either the bank doesn't appraise it that high or there's some flaw in their credit that you weren't aware of or it's more recent than their, their most mm -hmm. uh, recent credit rating or whatever, and all of a sudden, they don't qualify anymore. You have to call them up or talk to them and say, I'm sorry, but you're not going to be able to buy that house? Well, it's more of because if I'm on the listing side, you know, I would hear – if I was on the buyer agent side, I would hear that from the mortgage person or I would hear it directly from the person. Maybe they lost their job or um, they decided to make a big purchase that affects their credit rating. Um, I would probably hear it from my client. Um, but there are times that I would hear it from the mortgage person just to give me a heads up and say – hey, you know, I was told I could give you this heads up and this is what's happened and, you know, there's nothing they can do. That's what a mortgage contingency is for, is, is the mortgage contingency protects the buyer all the way up to being able to um, purchase the property. Well, is it possible sometimes that they could turn down from one source, they, they, they could go somewhere else and maybe get the mortgage? Correct, they can. Okay. Would yep. there likely be a higher rate of interest and if they... Uh, depends. Yeah. It all depends on the mortgage, yeah. on the mortgage company. Mortgage brokers. Yeah, I. Um, uh, so the, the um, and there's another thing. There's a difference between being pre-approved and pre-qualified. Correct. And what is the difference? All right. So, pre-qualified, you're testing me here, Ed. <laughs> pre-qualified. Um, call them on the phone. You give them some in information. Um, this is what I make, 
And so they'll just pre-qualify you over the phone. Pre-approved, which means that they've actually seen your bank stubs, they've seen your tax returns, they've, you've gone through the whole nine yards, you've filled out you know, all the information that they need. They've been able to verify your employment through the pay stubs, through your pay, and all of that. And then now you're, they've given you a pre-approved, pre-approval yeah. letter. Yeah. One of the reasons I wanted to ask that question is really in a lot of ways is very important because sometimes in a competitive situation with, and not sometimes even without a competitive situation, a seller has reasons why they want to motivate the sale because Correct. they have another house commitment, they have relocation, they have a lot of other variables in their life. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I understand there have been a case where if you have two people buying for a home, and, and it's possible if someone was less money to offer it for the house but was pre-approved, mm-hmm. a person might decide this, the seller wouldn't want to take a chance and, and the other person not getting mm-hmm. the mortgage, in which case they might take a little less money because they would be more assured that the, the deal was going to go mm-hmm. through and they would be able to move on. Well, the other thing as well is that, you know, as a listing agent, you know, when I get, if I get multiple offers, I'm going to have to, you know, my clients, I take a minute, part of my thing is take a minute and call the mortgage person that they're pre, pre-approved or pre-qualified with and say, you know, did you look at their, you know, have you seen the pay stubs? How secure are they are buyers? And some will say, oh, well, I haven't seen anything yet. That's why they're only pre-qualified. So, but this is what they've told me. And then in other times they're like, oh, they're all set. I've worked with them for a while. They're, they're all ready. They're ready to go. I pulled their credit. I've done everything. And so you, you have to weigh those options and you have to let your, you have to let your seller know that. Yeah. And so that they can make a, a viable decision, you know, they can make a decision, an educated, educated decision. Yeah. Uh, you had you'd mentioned a little while ago about the length of time housing uh, are listed mm. in Malden before this whole. That's, that's pretty impressive because, uh, uh, like I said, my, my, my observation is in driving around is, is I see some signs that don't move on out. But then again, um, it, it might be, uh, be sold in as a lag time before they conclude. Right. Before it concludes. Yeah. And there's new things now because now you can actually put your house on to as a coming soon. So that multiple listing service does allow a real estate agent and seller to put houses on for as coming soon. So that's fairly new. That's a fairly new thing you'll start to Which see. Which is what? Which is meaning um, they have a listing. It's within 21 days. Uh, so there's a listing agreement signed. And within 21 days, there's certain criteria that you have to adhere to that I don't have off the top of my head. But there's certain criteria that you have to, you know, um, work towards. And then you can put your coming soon sign out. You're not allowed to show the property while it's under a coming soon. You can only show it when it's actually listed. Yeah, but, uh, I see those signs a lot. Yeah. That's fairly recent. I don't recall. Fairly recent. Yeah, it's within, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. within months. The only thing is I sometimes see the signs on the uh, for quite a while. It isn't like yeah. a, are there supposed to be a cap by the time? There is, 21 days, oh, within 21 days. But if they took it off and the next week they put it back, they get another don't. 21 days? <laughs> no. No, they can't do that? No, not That's that I know a, of, no. That's only when you're listing a house. If you take yeah. it off the market and you put it back on, instead of being on 82 days, it's really on seven days. Because no, no, that actually, now it's um, multiple listing services gotten smart, and they've actually, it, it accrues. Oh, they do? They do accrue it. I think they, they don't accrue it after a certain amount of time, and I don't really know what that is off the top of my head, but yeah. it could be six months, three months, I'm not sure, but yeah. you know, to be off the market before it's a new listing. I've also uh, read articles on, on real estate that, uh, where um, there are multiple offers for a home or mm-hmm. perhaps um, there might even be a, a situation where the, the, the buyer is offering less than their best offer but maybe as much as being asked in terms of the listed price. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the prospect writes a letter and maybe explain the reason why they wanted this. That helps me so mm-hmm. much much to them because they grew up in the neighborhood or whatever yep. the reason. They and do. sometimes that has an impact on the seller who's emotionally attached to the house and, and wants somebody, or if they had a choice, even maybe a bit less money, someone that they feel would feel, appreciate the house as much as they have. Is that? We, I have seen that. Yeah. You know, I have seen that. I've had some, some of my sellers be very influenced by that. And then I've seen some that said, nope, not influenced. Not influenced. So I think it can go either way. I yeah. think it's a 50-50 split on yeah. that. Yeah. But I have seen that. Yeah. Now, as much of the market for house sales, you think now is because of the low rate for mortgage interest? Hmm. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I Well, I just think I think buyers are, are keen to get into Malden. I think that Malden's a great community. Um, and I just think that it's it's still a great market for us. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so uh, if you were a, a young couple uh, starting out, you would recommend Marlin to yourself? I would. You would. <laughs> I would. Yeah, even if you weren't already here, right? Yep, even uh, if I wasn't yeah, already here. Yeah. Well, the tea stations, we're, we're located, there's two tea stations which make, makes us easily accessible to Boston. Um, where, you know, our downtown is flourishing. So that's been a huge impact. I've had people, um, recently my niece moved into college and I was talking to her resident assistant. And he says, oh, where are you all from? And I said, Malden. He said, oh, I go to Bodeborg all the time. Or I'm at, oh, I've, Q O'Neill's is the best. And, and he's, you know, this young kid's just, and he's from, you know, Salem somewhere. And he's rattling off all of these local, fairly new in the last 10 year establishments. Um, not here else, but, you know, Bodeborg and all these places so you can see where Malden's kind of come into the map. Maybe that's the reason why you couldn't find a parking space in the rain today. Maybe. Tonight, yeah. We, <laughs> I, I drove around one, uh, I, I've been telling people in the last, uh, uh, and I had Ron Hogan on one of my shows several months ago, and I mentioned at that time, uh, when they put the parking meters, even though it's in, a, it's in one way it's an inconvenience, that is, it's opened up spaces because prior to that, even though they had a, a meter people enforcing limited parking, it seems it was tough to find a parking space. Let's come up here at night to do a show. They put the meters in, and then uh, spaces seem to be available. And I and I mentioned that several times on the show and in and outside the uh, MATV to other people in conversation. But the last the last couple of shows I've done. There's been no parking. The only conclusion <laughs> I have is the restaurants have become more popular, and obviously yeah. there's several of them in the area that have done very well yeah. since they opened if they're fairly new, and others like she mentioned you, O'Neill, but there's others here at Pleasant Street uh, are doing quite well. Yes, so, they so are. Again, I got lucky with the parking space, and she got caught in the rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now w with the real estate business um, – do you anticipate prices are going to be maintained uh, fairly close to what they are? I, I, uh, I don't know. It can yeah. be anybody's guess. I, th I think that we're leveling. I think the market, just my opinion, yeah. I think by the numbers, we've seen, you know, a bit of, you know, leveling. Do I think we're going to continue to increase? I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll throw out my own. I have an opinion. Okay. And, and for what it's worth, um, number one is uh, I did see an article uh, and more than once uh, recently that the, those large um, businesses that sell uh, s supplies to homes, whether they're f f additions to people doing to their homes or these sorts of things, that volume of business nationwide is down. Mm -hmm. So that would, in my mind, reflect on the fact that there's, there's a drop in home building and there's also... Uh, uh, maybe a drop in renovations, which we, whether it's the, mm -hmm. the sellers improving on their home, we put them put them on the market, or the buyers doing things to enhance their light, their, uh, their their new home. So those suggest to me that it's cooled a little bit. The other thing is, um, and this is not a way you do it scientifically, but I did mention earlier. Um, aside from the fact there's a um, I think more sales signs and properties across the city. Uh, the fact that they're from uh, brokers that I don't know isn't as important as uh, Michelle has suggested. You people have connections to other people before they move the ball. Now they're reselling again. Perfect. So, but there's more signs around. I think, and um, I also think they're they're uh, on for a longer time. She, she suggested a trend, but a modest increase. I th I. Um, of a view that um, it may be more more appreciably showing up in the in the reports that will come out after um, July on, on August or whatever. Uh, the other and of course you get to the winter, you t the holidays, you tend not to have activity much anyway. Correct. It is a different. I mean, each of the seasons has its own market. Right. Well, we're heading out. Of, we're out of the spring. We're heading out. You know, we're out of the summer yeah. market. We're into the fall, and it is a different market. So yeah. you know, you'll see different. You'll see. You'll see stuff not as maybe not as much coming on, um, which is unfortunate because it's still a strong market and you know buyers are still out there. So, well, the uh, uh, someone told me that's in the business, which I was surprised to see, that the activity doesn't start in the spring; it's really January, February. I wouldn't think that would be accurate. It's true. 
Is it? Yep. The spring well, market well, actually starts well, in February. Well, again, they show they know more than me because they're in the business. <laughs> yeah, but I say, gee, the snow's on the ground. Yeah. It's no, like November, December. People don't want to move. That's why they'll stay until after Christmas before they say, Maybe that's what part of it is. They wait till after the first year. I always kind of thought, well, how's it going on in the spring? Because people start right. to plan. They get a, uh, especially if they're coming from somewhere else, right. they get a, get a acclimated to an area and get familiar with the surroundings and also prepare the, if there's children preparing for the new school system. But Correct. that, w- but that would mean the spring is better. But you're saying like she did that it's February, February. Yeah. Okay. Now um, we've talked here about uh, uh, you and Malden and your real estate Correct. background and all. Uh, but you're also wearing another hat. I am. You're a I candidate am. for public office. Yes, I am. I'm actually a candidate for a school committee for Ward Seven. Right. So yeah, um, like I had said to you, I've lived in Ward Seven since I was a young girl, and I raised my family here, my husband and two kids. And basically, you know, I've spent. You're raising the- your husband too? No, <laughs> no, he's all raised. <laughs> so um, basically, um, it was my daughter, it was my older daughter. She's dyslexic, and we've spent the last ten years, eleven years, fighting for her special needs, and making sure she has all the services to make her successful. She's on to her senior year. She's going to college next year. She's an honor student. And basic in we had her last, you know, IEP meeting, which is an individual education plan meeting, and I pulled my papers the next day. And the reason I did was because I felt it was time for me to give back. Malden's been very generous. We've been very successful advocating for her. And um, we've had some issues and you know, there's things I want to change and you know, through the process. Um but I felt that it was time to give back, and I have some experience. I also am part of I'm vice president um, at the Zonta Club of Malden, so I am used to the you know last few years working for women's and children's pushing those issues forward through service and advocacy. I'm part of Junior Aid. I was part of Junior Aid a number of years ago with you know a very dear family member, and so all those are you know dear to my heart, and I just. Yeah, I uh, I also live in Ward 7, as I mentioned. I live across the street from Michelle. But that's not the reason she's here tonight. She's, it's, it's, I think, very informative on the real estate business. But we, we, that's also part of a makeup. It's something maybe she should talk about a, a little bit to the for her looking at Malden and, and looking at her own life. But that uh, uh, I grew up in Ward 7 as well, although I moved out of it. Years ago, to um, I was more in Ward Five for a long time, but coming back to Ward Seven in more recent years, um, um, unlike the days of old where people uh, would stay a long time, and that's true not not only just Malden but other people more more likely to move quicker, whether it's to rent or to sell. And uh, when they sell, they often go to somewhere else for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And so the new buyers coming in. Um, um, may have a totally different background. And, and I, the reason I mentioned that, when I went through the the act of voters in Ward 7 and having had a business in Malden for a long time, having lived in the city for a long time, a part of which was, of course, as I mentioned, Ward 7, and having been active in, 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 in organizations and, and politics, I was surprised how few people I knew in Ward 7, but a grant that I haven't campaigned for 25 years, so that maybe that's a good reason why the, the, the turnover right. would happen, because that's right. the way life goes. But uh, right. now, so uh, I gather you you're, you're told me, and I know you've been active at it, knocking doors already. Uh, I am, the, uh, I am. Yeah. We've, we've spent a lot of time, we're out every night, and it's been, it's actually been a blast, because I've ran into people I haven't seen in years, um, I spent some a great amount of time at with the, um, the, with the with the residents at Suffolk Manor, and I walk in and I saw two people that I knew when I was a little girl, and they recognized me, and they you know we sat and talked, and and that was wonderful. And I've gotten to really get in touch with a lot of the newer residents coming at that now live in Wood Seven, and what their wants and needs are, and it's been it's been pretty significant. It's been pretty steady across the board, um, with the few issues that I'm running on, but. Um, they all kind of want the same thing. They want, they want all the schools to be equitable. They want them to be, you know, fair. They want all the same things in all the same schools, um, and you know, just working towards that. It's making sure that what's offered in one school is offered in all. One thing that sometimes happens in my own experience, even if mm-hmm. you're running for school committee, mm-hmm. you might ring a doorbell, and the, when the person comes to the door, and you identify yourself, and you tell them 
you you're, right. what you're running for. The big complaint is the holes in the street or uh, the rubbish <laughs> pickup or that uh, yep. the water bill is too high or Absolutely. things that are really uh, issues within the community, but they're right. not really the kinds of things that you as a person on the school committee will be right. dealing with. So you run into that very often? I did, actually. I ran into a woman on Bowdoin Street, actually, and we were talking, and she was like, I know this doesn't have anything to do with the school committee, but what's going on with the trash? So, you know... Last night, I'm sure everybody was watching the um, presentation regarding our trash, the new trash proposal. So then I ran into her today. I went by her to see her today and gave her an update. So she's, you know, she'll but be she keeping watch. But she didn't watch it. No, she didn't watch it. She, she didn't. didn't. <laughs> yeah, she didn't watch it. Yeah. But um, so I gave her her update. So she's, you know, hopefully, you know, going to be, you know, she said she'll keep that in mind and she'll yeah. keep it, you know. But it's just updating people. They don't, you know, they want a voice. They want to talk to somebody. They have issues. They want their issues solved. And if you can help, they'll they'll ask you for it. Yeah. And you just do what you can to at least get them information. No, you, living here as long as you have in the city, you, yeah. um, you over the years um, had people come to your door who were seeking your vote. And yeah. um, do you have a different approach than they might have had because you liked what they did or you didn't like what the way they approached so the person that represented a particular candidate uh, – yeah. So that when you when you go to a door, do you usually find reception is positive, or, or that even if they don't know you or they haven't they haven't decided you, they're going to vote for you, at least they're friendly. They don't shut the door. No, no. Uh, if, if the ones you can get to come to the door and open the door, um, they've been very friendly, very friendly, very positive, and they have questions. Most most of these voters, they have. Don't underestimate them. They have questions. And they'll, the one woman um, actually sat there, and I stood there for a half hour, and she fired questions off to me. At any de- that would be better than any debate I was on. And she wanted her answers, and they had to be right off the top of my head. And I actually did pretty good. But, you know, a couple of things I came back to her on. and But they've been, they've been very receptive. But there, but there were school issues that she talked about. School issues. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, for the people that have children in a school system, do they mm-hmm. do you get some kind of a sometimes get a negative response from some people? I have. I've gotten responses. I probably talked to about, in particular, there's about five or six families across the ward. I haven't done the whole ward yet, so um, that I've spoken to that have had some their children have had some bullying issues. Um, that has been pretty consistent in the story, and they're not all on the same street, so they're in different sections of Ward Seven. Um, we've had some questions the parents are very concerned about vaping and the vaping issue that we have in the schools and you know kudos to councilor de maria last night she had her proposal passed um last night at the council that required the um that we're now going to be updating all of our signage in the schools that would now say no smoking and no vaping on school grounds in our school and public buildings so um that was wonderful that the council passed that and i know that they have passed they've put some few ideas through that Hopefully, it'll go back to the um, go back to the, the current school committee um, as it meets again to discuss. You know, I think um, it was Councillor Spadafore that brought up um, vaping detectors and different things you can do in that. Because the problem is, we have to we have students in middle school vaping in bathrooms. Oh, right in the school. Right in the school, vaping in the bathrooms. We have them in the high school vaping. It's just it's. I'm not saying I'm not against vaping. I think that's an adult decision that an adult can make. But I think for our young children, it needs to be kept out of the schools. And we need to just strengthen the policies that, you know, stronger stronger policies around that. And I think that there, everybody's, it was really nice to see last night, everything's headed into that direction. And it was good to see. Well, the vaping, isn't it like smoking cigarettes? I mean, I'm not, I'm not since I don't yeah, do it. I don't, I don't do it either. <laughs> but um, the problem is, is that some of these vaping um, mechanisms. Yeah, the first death, by the way, I saw on the paper. I did see that, yeah. and um, they, they look like a little USB drive, Oh, and they can hold them in their hands, and it's the kids can hold them in their hands, and you don't necessarily know unless you notice a puff of smoke, but um, there's all the Surgeon General on my election page, elect Michelle Luong for Ward 7, and um, on my election page, there's a link to um, a video that I did that I found on the Surgeon General's website. That's a really great tips and tricks sheet for parents that goes into detail on why it's you know so dangerous for the young people yeah. and that was right from the surgeon general yeah. uh, now vaping um it, 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 uh, i assume what, what you've been able to determine by the people uh, the feedback mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a habit forming thing that's like smoking cigarettes 
I think so. That's yeah. what they're saying. Because there is some type, you know, these chemicals, they don't know what it does to the body, yeah. and they certainly don't know what it does yeah. to a child's body. Yeah. They had, uh, they, uh, uh, most often cigarette smokers uh, start at a young age, or relatively young. If you don't, mm-hmm. if you don't smoke when you're young, you're, you're probably, uh, uh, for the most part, are not going to smoke when you get past your 20s. Right. And uh, I know um, from way back when that uh, when you were in the service years ago, uh, way back in the wartime, c- cigarette companies would give you a little package of cigarettes. I think it came five to a pack or four to a pack, and that's how young men started to right. smoke because it was free. Right. And then, of course, the cigarette companies um, would end up uh, getting a, a customer for many, many, many years right. as long as they were able to smoke or until they died or get cancer or they smart not. Right. But the reason, the other thing I mentioned is that um, with the vaping, that in itself is a, a, a habit forming, and uh, it's got to be a form of smoking because you inhale what you take from that little pipe. Correct, and it also comes in all these fabulous flavors from what I'm reading up, and as I'm educating myself on this issue, um, it comes in all these fabulous flavors that are very enticing for, yeah. for young people. Yeah, I've seen, uh, I go out and walk sometimes in the neighborhood, and sometimes I'm walking around the area of schools, and... Um, I see those little pipes. They, um, I've seen them even in the parking lot down at, uh, at uh, Mall of Catholic and, uh, mm-hmm. when you walk around. But I think it may, must have dropped them by mistake. It certainly wasn't they were throwing them away. You know, right. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But um, the, uh, the school committee, just as a refresher to remind people, mm-hmm. uh, there's eight wards in the city. Correct. There's eight, there is um, one representative from each ward. Correct. And the mayor is the chairman of the school committee. Yes. So that makes nine. And um, there used to be only five. And they ran citywide. They ran citywide. Yep. And there's been some talk of that being considered again. Have you heard anything of that? Uh, I have not. No. no. W- w- when they changed it over uh, to a ward base, the, the the theory was that that in that way, I, I didn't think it made any sense. And <laughs> I was mayor at the time, but... There was, a, there was a commission that was appointed, and I just felt, well, let them make the decision because they're the ones that are going to be doing the research. And the, they ended up recommending that the, the majority of the people on the commission that they'd be ward-based, and the rationale was that um, since the schools were local in theory, that way they, they could represent the best interest of the right. of the schools by being having a, a representative for each school. Well, the first problem was there's eight was, but there weren't, eight, there weren't eight schools. Second issue was that, um, and that was another reason why I wasn't for it, not that you're talking about my running for office, but um, that the way the schools are, are situated, it isn't really in Ward 3 or Ward 4 or Ward 6. Right. Oftentimes it kind of overlaps the school population. So it wasn't necessarily that if you're a Ward 3 uh, school committee person, you, your best effort would be to represent the people in Ward 3 because a lot of the kids in that school might but some of them came from Ward 2 and some maybe came from Ward 4. But anyway, right. the system in place now is it's Ward-based. You're, mm-hmm. you're a candidate in Ward 7. I am. Your election isn't until... November 5th. November 5th, which is the first Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And on that basis, um, if you're not selling real estate, you're out campaigning. Yes, and, I am. Uh, if anybody in Ward 7 that wants to reach you can call... Call me... Um, or at 617-620-7754, or email me at electmichellelewong at gmail.com, or find me on Facebook. Right. Or if you can't reach her that way, go down to Remax office at 339 Pleasant, Pleasant Street. Street and talk to her right there. But don't Absolutely. interfere with her if she's got a, a customer or a client with her. Oh, feel free to interrupt. Yeah, well. <laughs> Thank you very much. And this show will Thank be you. run again on Saturday at 7 o'clock and on Sunday at 10 o'clock. On channel 3 or 28, depending on which, what kind of service you have in your home. And for anybody interested in Ward 7 that wants to talk to Michelle, she's obviously available, yeah. whether it's wearing the hat of a candidate for school committee or real estate. Real, real estate agent. And I just wanted to thank you so much, Ed, for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. This has been wonderful. And she came on her own in the rain. Yes. Thank you for listening, and I hope you found the show enjoyable and informative. <laughs>